0: Hey, I'm glad you tuned in. This is Paul Perkins, and this is Evangelism Press Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with Bevan Ginder, who is a missionary in Cambodia. He works with YWAM at a mission outpost there, training local missionaries to go back out into their communities and society to reach more people for Christ. We're going to be discussing today evangelism. We're going to be discussing what conversion looks like, discipleship in Cambodia. Also, for you guys that are into CrossFit. Um, you if you're listening and you're into CrossFit, you know exactly who you are. But if you're into CrossFit, Bevan talks about CrossFit, oddly enough, in Cambodia as a possible missions outreach. So if you're just tuning in, we're glad to have you and we're excited to talk about missions. Check out our website, evangelismpress.com, and here's the podcast. Later. So Let's get going here. Okay, Bevan Gender. We've been friends for a few years. Uh, yes, Gender, sir. You're a missionary. Where are you a missionary at, Bevan?
1: We are working in Cambodia, which is in Southeast Asia, and uh, in specifically in a city called Batembang, which is probably the third largest city in Cambodia and uh, working with an organization called Youth with a Mission. And uh, they have a large campus there where they're doing lots of mercy ministry, evangelism, and training stuff.
0: Excellent. Hey, what time
1: is it right now? Where, what time uh, is it where you are? Where I'm at, it's 7.17. <laughs> oh, wow. In so the morning. Do, do you have, uh, Bevan,
0: this is a very, it may be a spiritual class, question to some of our listeners but do they have cocoa puffs in uh cambodia <laughs> or what what do you what do you have for breakfast there
1: in cambodia in cambodia the best breakfast is called tuk, which is basically you get some rice with some pieces of pork on top and then some like pickled vegetables and uh throw that down with some green tea and it's really good <laughs> that that does sound good some (laughs) pork
0: some some good pork for breakfast breakfast. yeah it sounds like a a breakfast of champions so you get up in the morning your typical day uh, I guess you've got regular family chores and and uh, you've got a son to raise a wife to 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 love and take care of yeah Uh, what's your day look like in the morning? I I wasn't planning on asking you this, but what does it look like
1: in the morning time for you? Well, these days, I don't know if it's old age or what I'm getting up quite early. So I have a good chunk of time just on my own. And then about seven or so, my son wakes up and we have our family time and breakfast. And then eight o'clock, because we're part of a community, we're joining in with the whole community as we take care of our campus for half an hour or so. And then, uh, Judy is homeschooling and I, I go off to the office and I'm working on uh, um, could be a number of different projects. Some of it is related to mobilizing more Cambodians into missions and then often in the evening uh, we have outreach stuff that we're doing in, in the city uh, but then by 4 o'clock my son and I are we actually are trying to get in shape so we do some crossfit Oh wow!
0: So they have they have CrossFit in Cambodia, huh?
1: Yeah, it's actually a business as mission initiative um, done by some wine members. So it's a great place to connect with uh, non non believers and uh, and really build relationships. I'm glad you said that
0: because there's a lot of CrossFitters I'm friends with. I'm not a CrossFitter yet. I guess <laughs> you know it's a cult following. Is it a cult? Is, is CrossFit a cult? <laughs> In
1: Cambodia, or is it just good fun? I mean, tell me the truth, Bevan. There are some guys that are really serious about it. They're joining in with international competitions and and competing, and it's like they they are really tough.
0: (laughs) I believe it. Man, it's serious, too. If if you talk to a CrossFitter, if you get some terminology wrong or (laughs) you don't have something right, they will let you know quick. Will they not?
1: (laughs) It's true. It's got its own lingo.
0: So it's pretty cool, though. All right. So let's just back up a minute. Um, how did you, forgive my Southern slang here, but how did you wind up? Mm. What brought you, what was the call that brought you, I guess, to be a missionary to begin with? And you said yeah. you were involved in, we call it YWAM, but Youth mission. Right. a Mission. I, how did you even get involved in that, Bevan? What was the start
1: of all this in your life? Well, for me, I did grow up in Zimbabwe, so I kind of grew up on the mission field as a missionary kid. But then uh, when I came back to the U.S. at age 11, I, for some reason, I got listening to Keith Green. And he's this very prophetic, very passionate uh, Christian musician. And then he died in a small plane accident uh, unexpectedly, tragically. And uh, but right before he passed away, he went on a mission trip and he got really aware that there's like billions of people with no access to the gospel. And that really fired him up. And so he was all Jesus commands us to go and really trying to mobilize people into missions. And he had built relationship with YWAM, specifically Lauren Cunningham, the founder, uh, before he passed away. But then after he passed away why and his organization pulled together like a 70 city mobilization missions mobilization tour. So I went to the concert there in Hershey park, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, I was right there listening to, uh, they play some footage of Keith Green's concert and then he would introduce Lauren Cunningham in the video. And then the real Lord Cunningham would walk out on stage and just invite everybody into missions. And I just had a picture of revelation seven, nine, and what it would be like to, have a small part to play in one of those unreached people groups being there at the end of the story. And I was like, that would be a a worthy cause. And it kind of set me on a course. So I did survive college and then survived paying off college. And then (laughs) about 10 years after that point, I was able to do my first uh, introductory discipleship training school in YWAM. And I've been going since 1991 with youth with, with YWAM.
0: Interesting. Hey, um, how old were you when you went to that concert? How old was you, it? Yeah, when you felt that initial call, how old were you then?
1: I don't know. I was, that would have been 19, I was born in 64, that was 81 or 2, or something like that. <laughs> wow. I'm not, not so good at remembering. No, but quite young,
0: though. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. And, and it... Um, it had an impression on you at an early age. And so you could discern even then you, you knew God was calling you into something. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it, it's interesting you, you bring that up because a lot of times when people are talking about, um, gospel calls, it's hard to figure out what they're talking about. Yeah. And, and, it, and I hate to say it this way for me or for you, for a lot of us, the call, is the call to reach lost people. And mm. and I, I don't I'm not gonna say I don't believe in a general call. I, I don't know what your take on this is, but I you know I believe we were just talking last Sunday about the Macedonian call and right. the the uh, man in Paul's dream there at night was he he called on Paul to come and help us. Right. And that's a big, I think that's a big part of calling. I see it in scripture time and time again, especially when you look in Acts. I mean, he's going to go help not only unreached people groups, but like you're talking about, the people that, um just people. You're going to help people with the gospel. That's what that call was, that Macedonian totally. call. And so totally. even at a young age, that was kind of the call. There was It was as if they were crying out, come help
1: us, right, Bevan? Totally. Totally. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, as in the same way I was sent, I'm going to send you. And Jesus definitely said, I am here to seek and save the lost. <laughs> so, you know, if we're going to be calling ourselves followers of Jesus, we need to be doing what he was doing. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I,
0: I You really brought that out just and that kind of struck me just at that early age. And I think many, if you, you begin to talk to pastors, many of their call, if we could get back to what initially got us into the ministry Mm. i think a lot of Mm. the dust and a lot of the indifference or the the i guess the willingness to give up you go back and ask yourself why did you begin right and people are quitting for reasons that have nothing to do with why they started you know what i mean
1: yes yes so, that's so valuable to reevaluate and say what was the main thing <laughs> so what is the main thing anyway so i guess we can come back to that though but I, that
0: kind of spoke to me when you said that you know the early age uh just god speaking to you through lost people groups but um so yeah you're there we've talked to ba we kind of got to cover some basics but i want to hone in in cambodia for our listeners. It's hard for an American mind to wrap their minds around they're not there with you, they're not having the same breakfast as you. They're not yeah. you know, they're yeah. they're not walking through a normal day with you. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. Let's talk about conversion for a moment. Which, yeah. um, I guess conversion is sort of on the back burner in America in a certain sense. It's not first and foremost anymore. Um, when you're talking about church or church growth, so much uh, we're not talking about conversion, sadly, as much as we should be. But there, what does conversion look like here in America? Someone may get saved. They may get saved out of drug addiction or self righteousness. Right. Like all humanity, we we're saved from some dominant sin, and not just dominant sin from original sin, as you all well know, but. What does conversion look like? If you took, let's say someone that was a 16 year old uh, teenage boy, he gets saved.
1: What does that look like for him in Cambodia? Yeah, this is a culturally Buddhist uh, context. And so there's, uh, you know, they're growing up in a, in a situation where there's idol worship all around them and their families participating in it. And that's that's the norm. And uh, it's mixed with animism, which basically means they are not just thinking about uh, purist Buddhist religion, but they're, they're afraid of spirits. They need to um, um, do the right thing to give the right offerings. Otherwise the spirits might harm them. So there's a lot of fear uh, that they're coming out of, but also, you know, for the young this young person that you would be thinking about here in this case study, they are in a constant con- context where uh, a large majority of the educated and the older generation was wiped out by the Khmer Rouge, which was this you know dictator who just massacred so many uh, Cambodians, his own people. And so the very young population, so they are also asking lots of questions about what is important? How can I make life work? Um, Struggling with uh, unemployment, trying to get an education. And, you know, then also the typical things that that human beings deal with in terms of addiction, that's definitely there. But um, yeah, it's I think the context that would be most different thinking about Cambodia versus North America would be thinking about a shame and fear culture that's just steeped in, in uh, idol worship and Buddhism and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So these teens too, you're saying, um, there's not a lot of father
1: figures. There's not a, a right. A, is there grandparents there or are they wiped out too? Like how many of them wiped out, many of them wiped out. So 70% of the, of the population is under the age of 30, very young population.
0: So when they're starting, they're literally starting with no Christian
1: heritage whatsoever. Right, right. And you're starting, uh, go ahead. Just very little access to the Bible, very little access to churches that would be in their, in their language, um, you know, huge chunks of, of Cambodia that just have no opportunity to know about Jesus. That Christian heritage is definitely just not there. And yet I would say that there's really good signs of hope and, and, uh, and kind of happy to say that youth YWAM had a part to play with it because when the Khmer Rouge was doing their killing so many people, the many refugees came out to Thailand and there was these huge refugee camps in Thailand. And YWAM heard from God to say, hey, we need to step up and do something. And it was really the context where we figured out how to do mercy ministry. So YWAMers came in and basically ran some of these refugee camps and many of the Khmer uh, Cambodians became Christians. And then when that uh, regime was over, those people went back all over Cambodia and basically jump-started the body of Christ and it became one of the fastest-growing churches in the world and has just not stopped growing. So that's the good news. (laughs) But yet still it's a small percentage of the population. So as soon as
0: they're converted, um, what takes place, you know, I'm kind of leaning in here on this question, um, but what takes place as soon as they're converted, immediately they're evangelists to reach more of their fellow, uh, let's say if it's a teenager or a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old, immediately are they bringing more people? What does that look like for them? Are they a little reluctant? How does that work? Bevan, let's say uh, this young man, this 16 year old gets saved. It, yeah. Does he, like in the Bible, do you know, does he go in, like John 4? Does he go and tell everyone in town exactly what Jesus did for him, or is that dangerous? What what is that like for them to to tell people they're
1: saved or or to be baptized? Is that a danger in Cambodia? Uh, we're so blessed in that at this season in Cambodia, that is not a dangerous thing. So there's two answers to to your question. The first one is. It just seems that in the, in the makeup of the Khmer people, they are natural evangelists. They're just happy to, and it's just like a no-brainer. Oh, I have this amazing experience, and it's changed my life, and they just start uh, sharing that within their social networks. And yet, the, the person, the discipler who brings them to Jesus, the evangelist who brings them to Jesus, does have a, uh, a key role in how that goes forward, because of course, there are people who would just say, "Okay, uh, now that you know Jesus, you just need to learn a lot and <laughs> come to class and sit in church." But uh, probably that's not the majority of of folks. There's uh, at least in our context, the people are. We really understand that people, when they receive something, can then right away that week, that month, start to be the messenger also to their to their sphere of influence hey i'm taking
0: notes here one thing that just popped into mind in a certain sense you're saying discipleship is sort of on the go yes it's it's not like uh like tease that out a little more because that is definitely alien thinking to the american mind it shouldn't be but it is discipleships not just plugging it nothing wrong with sunday school nothing wrong with small groups nothing wrong with these things or or the educational nothing wrong with with the educational process but you're saying as soon as they get saved then they they plug in or truth they plug into a truth or god plugs into them um let's say about baptism or let's say about fuller knowledge of repentance or sanctification immediately they're they're on the go to relay that information and share that
1: information. Tease that out for me a little bit more. Yeah, we're just really convinced that uh, that disciples don't shouldn't just be learners that get a lot of information before they actually apply it, but that a key because I think we've done a great job of giving lots of great information to lots of people, and then they they just. Become people with lots of information in their brains. And and so we're like, how can we make sure that we as disciples uh not just are not just hearers of the word, but doers and actually obey what Jesus taught. And so that has to start right at the beginning. We've seen the best fruit is when that new disciple just thinks, hey, this is normal Christianity. Whatever I learned today, I'm gonna share it with five people this week. And then we come back together and say, how did it go? And kind of hold each other accountable to that. But that uh, discipleship is kind of going to where people are at in their, in their work, in their, in their school, in their home. And then uh, not just requiring everybody to come to where we're at to get more information.
0: Uh, would you say, do you think, Bevan, that a lot of folks that are scared to witness let's say in other contexts in other countries or that that you're not in, would you think that maybe we're not like trying to bag on people or anything, but we're just trying to think about this because it's kind of, unfortunately it's unique. I think it's refreshing to hear what you're saying about sort of this discipleship on the go. Um, Do you think let's say 10 years in, in a lot of countries that are not sharing the gospel and let's say a pastor stands behind a pulpit in California or in North Carolina or Virginia or wherever. And he says, Hey, listen, we're going to start an evangelism program, which I think is a great thing, especially if you're not involved in evangelism, but let's say a, you're at a church, the evangelism program begins. It mm-hmm. didn't, didn't previously exist. There's a lot of fear there, yeah. but really if, Every Christian, if we could ever get the first generation used to this idea in any church in any context, the moment you 're saved you 're outfitted by god yes to spread to spread the gospel yes as and in, in, it may not be perfect, but you 're not going after perfect you 're going after a living witness you 're going to be a right. living witness of the gospel, that muscle. In a sense, that spiritual muscle is just really in those ten-year-old Christians. Let's say that that are so afraid, it's just underdeveloped. If we were to get to yeah. them in the let's say the very beginning, they would never sort of develop lopsided that way, where discipleship was just yes. purely intellectual. Yes, they would be able to d-
1: develop that intellect along with the doing part of discipleship, right? I see that. I, and I agree that those programs are useful and helpful to kind of jumpstart us, build that back into us, but it's, it's, it's definitely harder 10 years down the road. And if it was 10 weeks down the road or 10 days down the road, man, they just grow up thinking, you know, grow up spiritually thinking, Hey, this is normal. So then then it's part of the, part of the DNA of the seed, you know, so definitely for us as leaders, thinking of how to shift corporate culture in our communities, you know, this start young and, and start early. And, and then uh, over time, we'll have a a growing number of people who shift that corporate culture because they like, they just, it's part of who they are rather than just a program. Do you think that matches up more with like the book of
0: acts where it says that the Lord added to the number of the disciples daily? Do you think that's what's going on there with you? yeah, I, that's what we're
1: inspired by for sure.
0: Yeah. I think that's the, that's something that's, uh, that's definitely well needed here The recapture that idea. Okay. So with your, so you work there sort of at an outpost and what are you doing there? The, the sort of mission sending center, just we touch on that Mm -hmm. for a moment and then I just got a few more things to comment on and we'll let you get back to your pork and, uh, let's see (laughs) pork and rice at the 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 outreach center you're working at there what goes on there give us kind of a rundown of what's taking place
1: well there's so many things at this particular uh it's a missions hub it's a it's a university it's a it's a community uh they've got um mercy ministries happening among uh, children at risk and women at risk They've got um, evangelism happening where they're kind of going out to the villages and doing church planting, often starting with working with kids and then reaching to the parents and uh, finding men of peace that can take leadership in those, in those communities. Uh, And they are also doing training. So people from the body of Christ uh, in, in Cambodia and even internationally coming to get trained as uh, disciples get trained as missionaries. And then the thing that mobilized us to Cambodia was we were invited to help pioneer the first school of missions in Cambodia. And um, out of that school, three pioneering teams went and some of them went cross-culturally to, to very uh, important and sometimes restricted access nations, meaning they're hard to, harder to get into. And uh, when we saw that, we're like, this is at the center of our vision as Bevan and Judy was to come alongside of the new missionaries God is raising up from new sending uh, nations. And so to, you know, there's definitely so much to be done in Cambodia. And yet they also read the same Bible we read, and they also have the same mandate we read, uh, have, and they also have the same capacity And the just need those mentors and coaches to to enable that and it's happening and so when when it when it started happening meaning uh cambodians going cross-culturally they were like this has always been a part of our vision but now it's actually now we have to kind of catch up with what god is doing so they invited us to come and help kind of uh, build this pipeline of building relationship with the body of christ the local church and then inviting some of those people to come and get trained, those who are called to cross-cultural missions to come and get trained, and then to send them out and then to sustain them. So the ongoing pastoral care, so mobilizing, equipping, sending, and sustaining is the is the thing is the part of this missions hub that we're hopefully helping to, to develop going forward. So that in the long run, we can not only see Cambodia reach, but also see Cambodia become... Uh, a, a missionary sending nation—they're saying, "Hey, we want to be the next South Korea. South Korea was war-torn, you know, after after the war, and very Buddhist, and 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 yet when the missionaries went there, eventually the gospel took root, and now South Korea is sending missionaries all across the world. So Cambodians, and specifically Wiemmers, are like, we want to, we want that for Cambodia.
0: So you have a lot of um, young men and young ladies." Or what's your age yeah. group that that want to be trained, want to be mobilized, and go back out in their community as as missionaries? What's that
1: age range there, Bevin? Well, we'll take them at age eighteen to for the discipleship training school, but the even younger than that, hundreds of them are coming every day to what they call youth development center. So they're they're learning English, but they also uh, have opportunities to. Um, do Bible studies and opportunities to um, hear the gospel from our, our, our teachers that are there. But uh, I would say 18 to, you know, <laughs> on up, you know, but eighteen and uh, up, probably man. 18 to 30 is probably the, the vast majority.
0: Hey, what kind of needs, like resource-wise,
1: what oh, does man. it take?
0: I mean, you guys are living, are you living on campus or where are you living at this point, we are living
1: on campus. Yeah.
0: So you're living on campus. You've probably got other folks, uh, I guess, from around the world, Bevan, or, or no, or yes. What is? Yeah, what is it?
1: around the world. Some of them are from around the world. The majority are Cam- Cambodians, but some internationals like us.
0: So you're there on campus, and then um, resource-wise, who pays for this stuff? Because uh, I mean, that's that wasn't what I was planning on asking, but it just it comes to mind. Who is footing yeah. the bill for the lunches for for the yeah. health the health care? You name it. Who's footing the bill? Is it is it churches? Is it donors? I mean, what does that look like? How do you raise funds for something like an outpost like that?
1: Yeah, that's a probably can be a long answer, but the short answer is that every individual there is responsible to, to build relationships with their friends and family and local churches and invite them to partner with them through prayer and finances to be able to keep going, uh, for the Khmer, for these Cambodians, that's a a real challenge because of course the body of Christ there, the local church there is not extensive or wealthy. And so, uh, they have a, they, they struggle to, to, to raise support. And yet God does miracles time and time again, as they are faithful to write the newsletters and, and, and invite people faithfully. And then, but if for the whole campus, like our, our, the campus director is now touring across the United States, inviting people to, to partner with them as a campus to do phase two of building, building some of these classrooms and meeting rooms that, that uh, we're hoping to fund for the next year. And then the third part is um, they actually have some folks who have started businesses as missions, business as missions. So one is a really uh, popular cafe that's in town and the profits of that go to help support Cambodian missionaries. And also this CrossFit gym also is uh, a business as mission initiative thinking about how can we do business in a way that actually raises funds also.
0: Now that's music. <laughs> if you're a Christian and you're listening to this podcast and you're a CrossFitter, that's music to your ears, right? Bevin? Because <laughs> right. God can even call CrossFitters to the mission field, right? And, oh, uh, totally. Which is amazing. It Wouldn't it be amazing? I know it is for somebody listening to have such a love of something like CrossFit and love the Lord. And then God happened to call you. To do CrossFit, Bevin, as your missionary endeavor
1: to reach and support—it's amazing the kind of stuff that God does, isn't it? I love it, and in my opinion, this is how we should be thinking about things: is that we have—I used to think that you have all these different types of ministries out there that you could pick, and one of them might be evangelism and disciple making. And now I've totally reshifted that. And I think that, okay, yeah, there's all these different types of ministries you could pick things you could do, but inside of every one of them, you should have evangelism and disciple making. So it doesn't matter if you're a barista in a coffee, you know, Oh, it's starting a coffee shop. Great. But in that context, what are you doing? What is your goal? What, how do you measure success? Well, it's not just good coffee or running a great sports program or seeing women, you know, give good deliveries of children. It's, it's also to then connect them to Jesus because those things are great, but only Jesus can change the heart from the inside out, and so that has to be integral to whatever type of ministry we can do. But the good news is that then whatever you are passionate about, that can be integrated in. I, I absolutely believe that.
0: Yeah, that's a that's kind of a different slant. Uh, it's not a slant, different slant than we see in the Bible, really, but it's a different slant than what we're used to and it's refreshing to hear that um hey let me ask you one last crazy question okay you ready yeah what yeah. is your what is your favorite dish your favorite meal in cambodia if you and judy said hey tonight we're having our favorite dish what is that going to be for you bevin Ginner?
1: <laughs> uh honestly we found an indian restaurant there that we like <laughs> <laughs> oh man this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> this podcast will never see
0: the light of day. Not in Cambodia, <laughs> right? So you, you found your favorite Indian restaurant there.
1: Yeah, what but do you- they do. They there's there's one uh, uh, dish called uh, lok lak that's really good. It's kind of like a uh, tender steak with a lot of pepper in it, and then they have a lot of great uh, soups. They these days very popular dishes. These Uh, which is like a a spicy noodle and they have these restaurants popping up that say okay we've got seven levels of spiciness how high can you go (laughs) and i i tried level two and i was about
0: dying (laughs) yes hey man it's been a joy to talk to you if somebody wanted to support um your family in missions uh financially and by prayer yes uh how could they do that bevan
1: they they can go to the uh, YWAM, www.ywamcolorado colorado springs is that uh, I think it is oh I don't know the website Hey, we're gonna put uh, it
0: in the show notes on the okay. uh, the website. You can send me a link afterwards, but uh, and I'll, I'll hunt. We'll hunt that down and we'll get it up on the website. And if you could send us a link, and I'll put it also on the the blog post that. A transcript of this website, bevin, and we'll get uh, in there also something that was interesting you brought up as far as support is maybe that director that goes around and tries to raise funds for the facility itself right, right that would be another really good link, would it not Oh, totally,
1: totally so, and uh, they have uh, they 've done a, a great job of of with a, the latest video kind of giving an overview of what God is doing and uh, through this ministry and, and then, a uh, uh, you know, very good invitation to partner with us.
0: Bevan, we love you, brother. We're praying for you. And I hope if somebody's listening that, that, uh, that God has spoke, whether it be CrossFit or whatever walk of life they're in, that, uh, that God is speaking to them. Hey, could you close us in a prayer, Bevan, before we go?
1: Yes, I can. Thank you so much for this chance to, chat with you about these things jesus so kind to us never give always just inviting and inviting us to partner with you to reach the the lost and uh, we know that is what that you love us yes we're at the center of your heart and yet you love the lost and you would leave the 99 to go after that one and we want to be like that And so often we have understood and learned a lot and can give all the right answers, but we're no longer satisfied with that. We want to be disciples who obey your commands, especially and including go make disciples of all nations. And would you help us to figure out how to do that in whatever context we find ourselves in In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
0: Bevan, we love you, brother. Have a good morning. Thank you, Paul. See (laughs) you. Hey, we're glad you tuned in and I'd say, hey, check us out again for some show notes. There should be a transcribed version of the podcast up on the website, evangelismpress.com. Have a great day. See ya.